Good morning, Grove Church. How's everybody doing? I may or may not be a little stiff and sore. We have the grandkids in, which is mild chaos at best anyway. Um, it's Jude's birthday, so he's four, so guess what he wanted to go do? Trampoline park. Guess who has to participate? Poppy. Oh, no, 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 no. So anyway, yeah, yeah. Um, happy Resurrection Day. Amen. He is risen. Yeah, yeah. Um, what, a, what a great message. Because really, you know, we get all hyped up. How many of you love Christmas? Let's admit it. How many of you love Christmas? You love that winter? You just hope so badly for the white Christmas. What about everybody down in Australia at Christmas time? It's summer. Uh, think about that one, right? Yeah. So anyway, um, but really, hinging all of our faith and excitement about being a follower of Christ, the celebration should really be about Easter about his resurrection. So we're going to dig into that, into that today. Um, really an interesting passage. I think it's one that's not, it's not really mentioned a lot. It's one that's not really talked about a lot in, in regards to the resurrection. But if you turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 20, is where we're going to be today. And I'm going to give you four things that Jesus brings as a result of the resurrection. Four things he brings as a result of the resurrection. Uh, and, and, it, and it's found in just this small little passage of just four verses. And some rich, rich thoughts about what Jesus brings. John chapter 20. We're going to start at verse 19 and we're going to read through verse 23. And um, you know me, whenever, whenever I teach... Be prepared because we're going to be digging into a lot of scripture, so be ready to flip back and forth and make all those cross-references and landing spots so that you can be able to go back and study. Very, very important. John chapter 20, starting at verse 19. On the evening of that day, the first of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Can I pray for us real quick? Father, thank you again. What an amazing day that we get to, to be here to celebrate. Um, you have called us to, to offer up a sacrifice of praise, um, that, that we would be together here, that, that this act of, of worship, of coming together, would just bless and honor you. So may what's done, may what's said, may our thoughts, our attitudes, our actions bless you. But Holy Spirit, be very quick in our hearts 
to take this word and, and challenge us, comfort us, convict us, and commission us to be the body of Jesus Christ. And so in the name of Jesus we pray, amen. So if I can kind of set the picture for you, if, if, if I can, the whole Passion Week kind of culminates with Thursday, Friday, or Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and, and Sunday, right? Thursday being what happened on Thursday? Yep, the Last Supper, and then he wakes up that, that morning in kind of the timeline. It happens very quickly because that evening he is, he's arrested and all of this, and so, so, so much takes place over a very, very short amount of time. And where are the disciples post-crucifixion? Why? Because if their leader can be taken out in an incredibly public and gruesome way, why not them? Right? So here they are huddled in, in a little home probably, hiding out hoping nobody has, has followed them, because Peter again, what did Peter do in the midst of all, all of this when, he was, when Jesus was going through the trial? He had publicly denied Christ. There were people that go, oh, I know who you are. How about that for fun? Your leader's on trial. Your leader's going to be crucified, and they pegged you out of the crowd to go, oh, yeah, you're with him. No, I'm not. Yeah, you are. And I saw you. No, not me. So not only can, can, you, can you picture in your mind these disciples are hiding, you've at least got one or two that are incredibly ashamed of what's happened. But the majority of them are sitting there in fear also going, what have we gotten ourselves into? The same Peter who denied was also the same Peter that said, you are the Christ. We believe that you are the Messiah that we've been waiting for, that the whole Jewish tradition and faith and hope for, for hundreds and hundreds of years from, from all of the hope that they had with the prophecies that the Messiah is going to come, these 12 said, it's you. We believe it. But he's been taken out. He's been crucified. It's been gruesome. He is in a tomb, sealed up with a big old rock, and guarded. And here they are, hiding out, scared to death. Not knowing what's going to happen next, because he did say he would, he would return, right? He said, watch this on three days. So here they are. They're waiting. So, so their faith is hinging on, is this, is this guy really real? I would be that guy. I would be one of the disciples going, man, I just am really not sure about this gig. I don't know if this is what I want to be a part of because this, this may be a little bit more than I can handle. You know, at first I thought I was going to be one of the, at least one of the captains of the guard. He's going to come in. He's going to do what he said he's going to do. He's going to take over. He's going to be the mighty king. And, and we, we um, Israelites, are going to finally get our place. 
And I'm close with him, so maybe, just maybe, I might get to be at least a captain, right? But now all of this has happened, and they're scared. They're fearing for their lives. They're really asking themselves, is this really, really the real deal? And what happens next? What kind of door do they have? Door, right? No big deal, but the door is locked. Jesus stood among them and said to them, this is the most amazing part. So the first thing that Jesus gives to us as a result of the resurrection is the very first words that he says out of his mouth following the resurrection. Peace. Peace be with you. Mm. That to me is pretty wild. Because, because the word peace in, in, the, in the Hebrew is not just, eh, it's all good. It's that there is now brought to you that in the midst of everything else going on, we're good. It is right. We're good. This is good. You can imagine in that moment, the first thing that he's in their eyes, and he just says to them, be with you. I got this. We're good. We are so good. I thought it was so amazing that, again, just... Jesus does these cool little miracles all the time for, for them. And I think that this is also one of those amazing things because he becomes present among them. He didn't knock on the door. He didn't turn the key. He didn't say, oh, by the way, let's make a plan. I want you all to stay over here, hide out, and when I come, I'm, I've got my own key and I'll just open myself and let myself in. They're hiding Probably going, I mean, we've got to find a really good hiding spot. Nobody knew where they were. Did, does that make sense? And immediately, Jesus is present among them. I think that's, again, showing his divinity. His omnipresence. We can't hide from him. So just another little beautiful miracle in, in, in the midst of everything going on to prove, again, his divinity. So not only has he resurrected, but he's now present among them. So awesome. What happens next in verse 20? Then the disciples were glad. Then the disciples were glad. What does that mean? Does anybody know what it means in, in, the, in the Greek for the word glad? How many of you are old? Let me, let, let's, let's go this way. How many of you are old? How many of you are older? How many of you are old enough to know the TV show Cheers? Not that I'm trying to equate the gospel to the TV show Cheers. Got it? You've seen Cheers and you're all of 12, 13. Oh, my goodness. Oh, goodness. Yeah. Oh, dear. We'll be praying for you. So, anyway, Cheers. One of my favorite characters is Norm. Why? Yeah. Every time Norm walks into the building, what happens? Norm! And if you don't say Norm, what does he do? 
He turns around and walks out. He's done. If you don't want to acknowledge him, he's done. But it's interesting that, that the, the word glad in this is not like, whoo, hey, it's nice to see you. It's the joy is exceedingly abundant to the point that it's the same word used to actually connotate a salutation of hail. And to, again, the, the, the Jews in this era, in, in the Romans and hail Caesar and the raucous celebrations that some of these some of these events would have in that Roman culture where they would literally hail Caesar and it would be raucous and loud. That's what this word means. That they were so exceedingly excited that when they realized who it was, they weren't going, hey, whew, good to see you. Whoa, Jesus, yeah! That's what this is. That's what this word means. They were so exceedingly glad. But the glad is in connection to the peace. Go with me to Romans chapter um, 3. This is an extremely exciting joy, a raucous celebration in that moment of these, tw of these 12, depending on whether you um, 11... These guys hanging out and whoever else may have been with them are realizing that the word peace has brought this relationship right back to right. Whew. That Jesus, who we've been following for three years, has done exactly what he said he was going to do. Go with me to Romans chapter 3, verse 23. Let's go back a little bit to 21. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Christ Jesus for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. Whom God put forward as the propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. That's very important. Because for those people in that room, this is the actualization of this verse. Because they saw the blood spilled they saw the darkness come they knew that the temple veil had been torn in two they saw their Christ crucified so when it says there that God put forward as the propitiation in verse 25 by his blood received by faith. I think at this moment, if I can picture this in this moment, this, this whole thing playing out, that these disciples in that moment understood the peace and the joy 
and the faith that comes from Jesus Christ. It was their aha moment. Jesus is the Messiah. It's not that he rose from the dead. It's not that, wow, you did it. It's that you are the Messiah. See, up until that point, there was kind of that hope, right? Up until the point of his crucifixion, even probably a little bit before that, depending on, on your perspective on how some of these disciples reacted to him being taken into custody, the triumphal entry, they literally thought this guy is going to set up the kingdom, right? They didn't see it taking place this way. So when he's crucified, this totally upended their whole perspective of what being on, on the winning team looks like. So in that moment when he says peace, and they were glad, I think that actualization of the whole of what it means to have the faith. came into being for them. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 4. Starting at verse 4, what's the first word? Everybody? Rejoice, that is the exact same word that is interpreted as glad in John 20. Did you know that? The exact same word. Again, the raucous celebration of the acknowledgement of someone. That's how excited we should be as Christ followers. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say what? Very interesting what takes place as we read these next few passages. Let your reasonable be, be, reasonableness be made known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. One, one of my favorite parts of Scripture right here, these next few words. Do not be anxious about anything. Do you think the disciples were anxious at that moment there in that room? The next knock on the door could have been for them, right? The next moment... Their leader was axed, they could be right with them. But in everything by prayer and supplication, we talked about this last few weeks, Matt, about, about the power of prayer and the presence of prayer and prayer being right there with us in, 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 in all of this. And it says, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And what? And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, this is that mind-blown part. We may not get it. It may be too much for us to understand. But the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And then it goes through the finalies, brother. Whatever is true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable. If there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and seen in me, practice these things. And what? And the God of peace will be with you. 
Paul bookends joy and peace in this passage. Very similar to what we see happening here. Peace and joy in John 20. And I think that's so powerful to think through. That everything that goes on, when you look at those final whatevers there in Philippians, whatever is true, what's the only thing that's true? Because all truth is God's truth. Jesus Christ. I am the way, the... Whatever is honorable, can you think of anything higher in its honor than Christ? So would he be the pinnacle of honor? Whatever is pure, who is the only one who is sinless? The only lamb that could ultimately be the sacrifice had to be the pure, spotless lamb. So all of these whatevers literally point back to put your focus on one thing and one thing alone, and that would be what? Jesus Christ. Isn't it amazing how all of these passages tie back to this simple, this simple passage here? So we have this bookend of joy and peace mirroring what we see in these few precious, precious moments that take place between Jesus and his disciples when he says peace and when they realized they were full of joy. So that's the first thing God, Jesus brings to us as a result of the resurrection. He brings us his peace. The next one is his plan. Look at verse 21. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. I think it's so cool that he did that. He's reminding them, do not forget this. We're right. Because of what I have done, because of your faith, we are right. There is peace. As the Father has sent me, even so, I am sending you. The second thing that, that Jesus brings as a result of his resurrection is his plan. How many of you are old? How many of you are older? How many of you are old enough to remember the A-team? Yeah, there we go. Hannibal Smith. What was his favorite line? I love it when a plan comes together. I love it when a plan comes together. I think this is a beautiful picture. Again, not that we're trying to make connections, but this is a beautiful picture of the, of the disciples realizing oh, the plan has come together. What's John 3.16? God loved the world. Let's say that as soft as possible because we don't want anybody to hear it. But yet we're supposed to be exceedingly glad. What's the plan? God loved. When? That's, that's in eternity past, right? There's not, there's not a starting point that God decided to love the world, right? His love is eternal. So this plan is also eternal. God loved the world so much that he what? Sent his one and only, gave his only begotten son, sent the one and only. There's the plan that whoever would believe in that plan will what? 
enjoy the fruit of the plan coming together. And what is that? Eternal life. You had mentioned it earlier. I didn't catch all of what you were saying. But Romans 5 verses 1 through 11 mention this, that at the right time. In verse 5, Romans 5, 5. At the right time, Christ died for us. No sooner, no later, at the right time. And at that moment in history was the right time because it was all part of God's plan. And you and I are part of that plan. Philippians 1, turn with me to 127. You should be pretty close to that. So for you and me, only let your manner of life be what? Worthy of the gospel. What is the gospel? Somebody sum up the gospel for me. And? 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 And we're supposed to do what? Rejoice. Not go, wow, that's a whole heck of a lot that i got to try to remember. <sighs> but let our lives be worthy of the gospel of Christ. That is, that is not a small undertaking. So that whether I come to see you or I am absent, I may hear of you that you are what? Standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the what? Important word there, the faith of the gospel. The actualization like the, like the disciples had in that moment that when they saw him and he gave him his peace, he gave them his peace and they were exceedingly glad that faith was actualized in that moment. He is who he said he is. He did what he said he was going to do. Oh. He is the Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the Savior of the world. Is that good news? Side by side for the faith of the gospel. So this is a little bit of that beautiful pre-commissioning because he said, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. I love that. We're on mission. We just watched that video of, of those courageous people escaping Jordan, coming to, coming to America, coming to Cincinnati, and being part of a, a, of a, of a community of, of people where they are living out the gospel. They're on mission. Which leads me then to my third point. It really kind of flows really well here, so we're going we're gonna to jump ahead. So he's sending us, right? Now again, what have these disciples been doing in this room and for the past number of hours during, during the whole of, of, of the burial of Christ? Hiding how? Making a plan? Getting all of their details put in order? Getting ready for, to, to, to boldly go out? and Right? What were they doing? Hiding in fear. They're a bunch of scaredy cats. They're afraid for their own lives. We receive something. 
Look at verse 22. And when he had said this, when he had said what? Peace be with you as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Now here's the next thing that we receive as a result of the resurrection. We receive his power. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, I think that's important. I think, I think that that's not just kind of something to be glossed over. I literally believe that this is a literal translation here. It's, it's not a metaphor. I believe that he breathed on them, that that was a symbol that was actualized. He did. And saying, receive the Holy Spirit. Anybody know what 2 Timothy verse, chapter 1, verse 7 says? You have not been given a, of what? Say it again. You have not been given a spirit of, but yet what were these disciples doing at that moment? Fearing for their lives, fearing for the unknown, fearing for the Jewish authorities to come in and take over, fearing for the Romans to come in and put them on a cross just like they did their leader. All sorts of things that they could be afraid of. Afraid of their own shadow. Afraid of the embarrassment of, of stepping out from their families and walking away from, from their lives as, as they knew it. To follow this dude for three years. All to now have to go back and go, well, hi, remember me? I left three years ago. Can I come back to work? You see, what I mean? all sorts of fear going on in their lives. Do we have those fears in our life today? Are there things that, that just can just rack us with fear? Paul said to Timothy, you have not been given a spirit of fear, but what? What's the rest of first, Second Timothy 1, 7 say? But power, love, and self-control. We have received his power. When, when the Holy Spirit was breathed onto them, they received dynamite. If you go back and look at the word in Timothy, the word power is, is it dunamos? Dynamos? Is that how you say it? Dunamos? Yeah, it's, it's all Greek to me. But anyway, dunamos is literally our word for dynamite. What happens when you like dynamite? Anybody know? Why? Dynamite has a very specific purpose. What's it designed to do? Anybody know? Change things. Why did they drill holes in the ground and use dynamite? To blow up all of that stuff to either find gold, to make roadways, you ever notice when you drive down the big highways and you see these big stone walls on either side of the highway and you're like, how in the world did they change this from that? Dynamite. You look and you see these huge cliffs and you see these really cool burrowed straight lines because they're about that big around, big enough to stick a whole bunch of dynamite down in there and they set it off. Power changes things. The Holy Spirit's power changes things we have the power to change things that's what that means i love the next part you've not been given a spirit of fear but of power and what love 
What did Jesus say to the disciples? Love one another as I have. By this the whole world or just a few people? The whole world. That's pretty powerful, right? See the connection? Power changes things. Love changes things. And by our self-control being under control, under the working and the power of the Holy Spirit, we are set for mission. I'm going to the Father, but I give you my spirit. I am the power in you, so go and glorify me in this world. That's our great purpose, to go and glorify him through the power of the Holy Spirit, the love from the Holy Spirit, and the self-control that comes from being led by the Holy Spirit. By this will all men know that you are my disciples. Are, are, you, the, are you the Christ? No, you are his ambassador. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. Death, where's your victory? Right? You can't hold him down. The same Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead is the same Holy Spirit living within each and every one of us as his followers. And so I think that in that moment, for for that experience to happen to these people in that moment, Oh, to be a fly on the wall there. Oh, to be one of them. Because I think it's so beautiful that he's not like, peace, peace I give you as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. He didn't say, peace, hey, this is all good, let's go take over now. Come on, General Peter. Come on, General Andy. Let's go do this. He says, no, I am sending you. The last thing he does is Christ gives his promise. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold the forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Interesting verse. What this means is this, is when you tell people about what Jesus Christ has done, you are speaking his word about his work in the power of the Holy Spirit. He is the one speaking through you. And so, if anyone believes the word, it's not my word, right? It's the word. And what is the word? Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. He is the Messiah. What he said he was going to do, he did. What he said he will do, he will do. Because he is the Messiah. That is the word I am, I am preaching. That is the gospel. That is the good news. If anyone does not believe your words, I don't forgive them. And since you are my voice, Jesus is saying, and my truth, I speak of you forgiving them and you withholding forgiveness. But it's the work of Christ, right? If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you for your sin and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. It's nothing that I do. It's nothing that I go, hey, dude, you're saved. 
we present the gospel. Go with me to 2 Corinthians 5.20. Did anybody get there? Somebody, somebody read that real loud for me. Is that, is that, are those my words? Are those my words? Do I own them? Do I get that copyright? No. We are ambassadors. We are going forth as representatives of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords as his body to do what, Matt? We always call for a response. We are not responsible. It's not whether I forgive them. It's not whether I convince them of my impressive words. It's that I say Jesus Christ is the King of kings and Lord of lords. He came to this earth and died for my sin. And if you confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. I implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He gives us his peace. He gives us his plan. He gives us his power. And he gives us his promise. As the worship team makes their way back up, would you stand with me? So hear me first when I say this. Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords. And all God's people said, where's the exceeding gladness in that one? Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords, suffered and died on the cross, conquered sin, death, and hell was raised on the third day by the power of the Holy Spirit, and he is the Messiah. And all God's people said, Amen. If you, for the first time, have heard this, and that has pierced your heart, be reconciled. Make it right. Go, God, I hear this, and I confess and believe that Jesus Christ is the Lord. And then you too will get to say amen and enjoy the fruit of the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. God loved the world so much that he sent his one and only that whoever would believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus is the Christ. Amen.